I want us to pray Psalm 82. And uh, you can just listen. You don't have to turn there. Uh, But with it being Father's Day, I want us to pray uh, for the fatherless. So pray with me. Lord, you inspired the psalmist to pray and sing to you, defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor. Uphold the cause of the oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. God, that is what you do. That is what you will do. And even though there is evil in the world, and there will be until you come and restore all things, we want to be a part of what you're doing. And we all have limitations. And we don't want to ignore our limitations. We don't want to take on ourselves what only you can do but we want to join you in what you're doing. We want to make Christ known. We want to make, we want to share the gospel, the good news that Jesus died in our place on the cross for our sins, that he was buried and that he rose again and that we can walk in this newness of life right now and forever. So I I pray for the families that we will meet or, and that we won't meet. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I pray and long to see you move and to see you continue to do um, your work of rescuing the weak, defending the oppressed. And we want to just, we want to walk with you and, and experience the joy of knowing you in the midst of all of the heartache that comes from sin in this world. Now, as we look to your word, uh, Father, would you help us? Holy Spirit, would you speak to us and show us Christ? We pray this for your glory and our good. Amen. So between the pandemic, the the unrest over injustice, the economic turbulence and uncertainty, and so much more in our world, people are, whether they say it or not, becoming more and more aware of what's always been true. We are not okay on our own. When our hope is placed in health, in wealth, or in anything other than Jesus, we will end up disappointed. Any and all hope outside of Christ will fail us. And it's not a matter of when, or it's a matter, it is a matter of when, not if. But there is hope for us and for the world. So as a church, if, if, if we say we follow Jesus, are you, are we ready to give an answer for the hope that we have? And to do so with gentleness and respect. We're called to live in such a way that even those who verbally put you down would later be ashamed of themselves because of how good your life is. And that's really the goal of this series 
that we're doing on biblical anthropology. Again, anthropology simply asks the question, what does it mean to be human? And biblical anthropology answers that question from God's word. And God has a lot to say on this. And it matters more than I can explain today. So I'll just do a little piece. Uh, Two weeks ago, we started this series by looking at Jesus and George Floyd. That message is on our website. And and here's my... Here's the takeaway implication is we've got to share our faith and we've got to use great wisdom in doing so. But we must share our faith. Jesus is the hope of the world. Last week, we looked at the image of God, specifically that all people have incredible inherent value. And we unpacked some implications. And this week, we're going to continue looking at the image of God. Um... And and I'm just going to try to keep it simple for us. There's a lot that could be said on the image of God. But uh, before, before I say anything on it, let's honor God's word by standing as we hear from Genesis 1 and 2. And if you're at home, I, I invite you to stand with us too, if you're able and willing. This is Genesis chapter 1. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They'll be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. And I'm also going to read Genesis 2, beginning in verse 15 through 17. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to care for it. And the Lord commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. Thanks. You can have a seat. So here's, here's what I want to say. Here's what I see in God's word. I believe God is saying about what it means to be made in God's image. It is relationship with God and it is responsibility to God. God gave us charge over his creation. He put us in charge of what is his. That's stewardship. But we are to do this ruling. Remember all the times I said the word rule as I read that. We are to take this charge and carry it out in relationship to him. God made man so that they may rule. God said, be fruitful and increase. Fill the earth and subdue it. That's all kingdom language. So we all have this little piece of creation to take care of. Kids, Even you have a little piece of creation. Your your toys, your room, this is like your little area to take care of, right? We all have a kingdom, or you could say, if you're 
a lady, a queendom. But none of this is to be done without God. We are all to image God in how we take care of our things because he set us in charge of the world. So this is a key part of the story of the Bible as it unfolds. God wants to rule his world through relationships with humans. But it turns out, as you've probably heard, we are the problem. Instead of trusting God in relationship and ruling together, we tried to replace God, ignoring our responsibility, ignoring the relationship, and instead trusting a lie that we would be okay if we did things on our own terms, if we took what God hadn't given to us. And so the solution to the plot of this whole biblical story is that we need a new kind of human, one that is not the problem, one that doesn't contribute to the problem, but one who's the solution. And, and Paul, the, the whole canon is very clear that Jesus is this new man, this new Adam. And those of us who have trusted in him, we're like a new creation, Paul says. So at this point, since we're talking about creation and forming things and, and stewarding, I want to pass out some Play-Doh. So if, my, if the guys who asked, or I asked to uh, pass this out, could you help pass out all this Play-Doh? I just want all the kids. And if you're, a, if you're an adult, if you could pass that out to the other guys, thanks. If you're an adult who like learns better by tinkering with something in your hands, if there's leftover Play-Doh, which there should be, um, you can have one too. So kids, what I want you to do with this Play-Doh, what I want you to do is to make it into something good, like a flower, like a building. Maybe if you like tractors, you could try to, you know, form this Play-Doh into a tractor, uh, maybe a soccer goal, whatever you like, okay? Use your imagination and form this Play-Doh. It's, a, it's an important part of the message. So uh, I'm going to need your help later by showing us what you, what you did with your Play-Doh. Sound good? Okay. <laughs> so here's, here's what I want the rest of us to consider as they're forming their Play-Doh. How does the good news about Jesus, that we have this new kind of human in Christ, how does this good news affect our relationships and our responsibility, our, our, our role as image bearers? How does the gospel matter to our life day in and day out? And I want to answer that from the book of Colossians. We're going to see that the gospel affects change relationally. So it's still relationship with God. And it's from the inside out. We're going to see that the gospel, starting inside of us, the gospel affects all of life. And then we're going to see that all stewardship, no matter where God has called you or placed you, all Christian stewardship includes bringing the gospel to others. So let's look at the first of these three ways that the gospel affects our stewardship as image bearers. That the gospel affects change relationally from the inside out. Listen to the gospel language. What I mean by gospel language is that Jesus died and then was resurrected. Listen to that language applied to our inner life. Colossians 3.1 says, Since then, you, you all, Christians, he's writing to a church, you all have been raised with Christ. 
That's gospel. You've been raised with Christ. Then he says, set your hearts. That's your inner life. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Then he says, set your minds on things above. Because you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts, your inner thinking and choosing part of you and your minds on things above. And then he goes on and he says, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So what I want to see is that throughout the beginning of chapter three in Colossians, Paul is applying the gospel to the inner life of the Christian. It's like what you're thinking and feeling right now that I can't tell, God knows. And what I'm thinking and feeling right now that you can't tell, God knows. And it's, it's in that secret place is where the gospel affects this change so that we can carry out our role that we are created to do to image God, to bear his image well, to reflect him and not replace him. And it all starts internally with this gospel connection to Jesus that we have been raised with Christ because we died with Christ. Now we've been raised back to new life with Christ. And so Paul says in verse five, put to death. Sorry, I don't know why I'm popping so much. Put to death, therefore, because of what's happened, your connection to Jesus, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature and listen to all of these bad things, but think about where they start. They all start inside of us. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which Paul calls idolatry. Because of all these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to live this way, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. All I'm trying to point out here is that this is all inside-out language, inside-out change. And in case you're like, Ben, I'm tracking with the inside-out thing, but what in the world does this have to do with Imago Day, the image of God? Here it is. You have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator. We are made to reflect God, not replace God. When we finally replace all of our replacements with Christ, we start reflecting God accurately. Now those, I just want to be really clear. There's some theologians out there that say, oh, if you're not a Christian, then you're not made in the image of God. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Every person is made in the image of God. We saw last week that the image is not revoked. The, God gave us this image. He did not take it away. You saw, just read Genesis 9. After he destroyed most of the world with a flood, other than eight people, he called those eight people and everybody else after them made in his image. And so we are being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. It starts in places that you and I don't see, but it matters. The gospel taking root in your heart, in your life, my heart, my life, that is where it starts and that matters. And then in verse 11, here, when you're being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator, here there's no Greek or Jew. Circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, which the barbarians looked at the Scythians and said, those are the real barbarians. 
slave or free. There's no distinction. Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves, put these things on. And listen, this is more inside out language. So we're taking off the bad stuff on the inside. We're putting on this new good stuff on the inside by gospel language, by by the gospel. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other, forgiving each other. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And then I love all these lists that you find in the New Testament. It just always happened to end up in love. Over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So this new self, this, this well, like I said, Jesus is the new human that we follow into new creation. And as we follow Jesus, we reflect the image of God accurately, more and more accurately. So kids, I want to check in on your progress. What, have you, what are you making? How, how's, it, how's it going? Have you formed anything? Making a snake. Awesome. Circle, it looks like a donut. Yummy. Orange lava. What, what was that, Dom? Woo, man. Good orange cookie. Yeah, what is it, Declan? Oh, man, I love the soccer girl. Oh, a flower? Oh, awesome. A spider. That's great. So, hey, we got an airplane back there? It's a cross. Good job. Good job. Well, here's, here's the thing. Could you have left the Play-Doh in the container and, and still made something? Could you, like, without taking the lid open, could you have formed it and shaped it? I don't, I don't know how you could. Maybe, maybe you could find a way. But, but did you have to, like, touch it to, like, shape it? I just want to say that, like, since we're talking about the gospel changing us from the inside out, we have to let God sh- touch us in deep places. We, we, we have to come and be opened to God's work in our life. We can't come to church or small group or even like personal Bible time without opening ourselves up to God and being personally affected by the gospel. It's like trying to make your cross without touching the Play-Doh. We, we have to open ourselves up. And that means like being honest with God about our sins, our feelings, our struggles. We're not hiding. We're not interested in hiding. And of course, this starts when we first come to Jesus, but it continues. Paul is, Paul is imploring Christians to apply the gospel to their inner life, day in, day out, because that is where this transformation starts. And when, when the good news of Jesus takes root in our hearts, we see it affects everything around us. Look at Colossians 3.17. Paul says, whatever you do, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so there's a lot, right, in whatever we do. And so you might say, well, could you give me some examples, Paul? Great question, because that's what he does next. In marriage, verses 18 and 19. Hus- or, uh, 
Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. Don't be harsh with them. These are things that we do that flow from our inside-out transformation because we're focusing on the gospel. And then children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. These aren't rules to follow. This is the result of meditating on the gospel. And fathers, happy Father's Day. Here's one for all of us. Don't embitter your children or they'll become discouraged. Happy Father's Day. (laughs) But we do that because we're meditating on how good of a God, how good our God and Father is, that he hasn't embittered us. And then he goes to workplace relationships and uh, uses slaves as the term. Slaves obey your earthly masters and do it in everything not just when their eye is on you. But he concludes with uh, verse 23, whatever you do, again, he's saying this, this, this affects all of life. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. So this means a person making a shoe or arguing a law case, planting potatoes, teaching school, changing diapers, working on an aircraft, all this work, they can know that their actions can be done in service to God when done in faith. And so, So far, Paul has really been talking about how to live in community. He's been talking to the church. Um, But guess what he moves to next? Well, I gave you the answer. (laughs) Mission, it's on the slide. And these these two descriptions of God's people living together, they're inseparable. You can't do biblical community without mission. And you can't do biblical mission without community. And just as a side note, small groups are an important part of the life of our church. This is part of the reason that small groups change is because we're not just living in community together, we're living on mission together. And that's hard for us. Like it feels weighty and sometimes negative and difficult, but Christ is the one responsible for the gathering and the scattering of his people. And so here's the last point I want us to look at is that all Christian stewardship. So think about your role as a dad or a mom or as a single person. You have a stewardship in your job um, with everything that you own. All Christian stewardship, which is the image of God, like that's what Genesis 1 and 2 clearly say. We have this rulership over creation that God hasn't taken away. All of this includes speaking the gospel if you're a Christian. And this is just from what Paul moves to next. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Well, what are we watchful and thankful for? He says, pray for us that God may open a door for our message, that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Then he says to the church, You be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Now, if you just read verse five all by itself, you might think, okay, I just need to make the most of every opportunity. I just need to like do whatever I can to make the most of it, right? Yes, but no. You make the most of every opportunity when you're always looking to share the gospel. That's the context. Pray for us that we'd proclaim the mystery of Christ. All this stuff that's been working on the inside of our heart, that's been working out through our lives and our relationships and our jobs, we got to tell somebody. 
but do so in a way that your conversation is always full of grace, seasoned with salt. You never shame people into believing. And this doesn't mean, just, just so you know, this doesn't mean, all right, you go to work tomorrow and you can't clock out <laughs> until you share the gospel. This is not a rule. This is an opportunity. This is what flows out of a spirit-filled life. And I know that I made it a separate point, but don't let that fool you. This is connected to everything else. Community and mission are connected together. Being changed from the inside out, working hard as unto the Lord, making the most of every opportunity with outsiders. It's not three things to do. It's just part of one thing. It's part of one thing. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Following Jesus is the one thing. So we do all of this, I just want to highlight, not in order to be raised with Christ. Remember how Colossians 3 starts. We do all of this because we've been raised with Christ. Again, since then, you have been raised. Think and live and speak in this particular way. Again, we do all of this not in order to be raised, but because we have been raised with Christ. So in closing, uh, if we claim that we want positive change in ourselves and in the world, but if we don't share the gospel with ourselves, and with the world, then we clearly don't believe the gospel is the power of God to bring change. Or if we don't really want to see change in the world, like if you're like, I'm pretty good with my life as it is. I know that there's a lot of, you know, bad stuff out there, but I'm pretty good. I'm, like, I'm pretty good. Then you're actually not believing the gospel because the gospel says repent. It says change and believe. Repent means change your mind and change your life. And if you don't believe the gospel, you're also not sharing it. But if we believe the gospel, we will share it first with ourselves, inside out. First with ourselves, then with others, in the midst of our ordinary day-to-day -day faithfulness. And by God's grace, I, I'm convinced, I've seen it. We will see change. We'll see change in ourselves growing in compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, and over all these virtues, love. The gospel will impact our family relationships as wives, husbands, children, parents, and in our workplaces. Whatever we do, wherever we are, we'll learn to see how the gospel impacts that right here, right now. And the gospel will be central, it, the, the message of the gospel will be central to all that we offer to the world so that we make the most of every opportunity with conversations full of grace. So let's pray together. Father, forgive us, forgive us for treating the gospel like a golden ticket to heaven when we die. When it is new life starting right now it's it's life with you and forgive us for not realizing um 
that everything we do is part of our call, uh, part of our created God-given dignity to rule the world with you. But also uh, cast vision and, and increase our hope that we could experience you every day, whether it's a hard day, a fun day, full of things we don't enjoy, full of things we do, that whatever we do, we, we would be experiencing inside-out change that, that works its way out. And that even, um, yeah, we, we would see open opportunities to share the good news of your death and resurrection.